Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Allen. It's great to see everyone. Uh, we're in a series called Destination. This is part six of six, so we're finishing up today. And the title is The Banana King. That'll make sense in a few minutes, hopefully. I do want to point out, we often use these videos to in introduce our series, and most of the time we get them from other places, other churches. But uh, this one we've used this last six weeks came from in-house. You know who made this? Josh and Lucas, that's right. So let's thank them for that video, opening video. And we're going to have a new one next week, and they also did that one, so that's fantastic. All right, so <clears throat> start off with a question today. You ready to raise your hands? How many of you are insane? Raise your hand. Got a few, my wife included. All right. Now... <clears throat> kind of a silly question, right? If you're clinically insane, you probably wouldn't raise your hand anyway, would you? But we have this tradition, uh, or not a tradition, but this saying uh, that I looked it up. I use it, but I didn't know who said it. A guy by the name of Albert Einstein. You ever heard of him? Anyway, he's the one that described insanity this way. It's doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And so, we're in this series, I've been kind of pushing you a little bit, and I'm going to even push you a little bit more this morning, so I'm going to give you a warning uh, about that, but our tendency is when somebody pushes, what do we do? We push back. So I'm warning you, so you, hopefully you will have a tendency not to push back. It's going to require some honesty and maybe some awkwardness, as we're going to go through some questions, self-evaluation, etc. But we're talking about being better. This year being better than last year? Well, the only way it's going to be better is if we do something different. And so we're trying to figure out what, what we should and what area of our lives we need to, or should focus on. <clears throat> so we start off with a few questions. First one's this. What are you holding on onto that's holding you back? What are you holding on to that's holding you back? Some people would describe it this way. What has a hold on you? What has a hold on you that you would rather not have a hold on you? Or is not making you better? A couple other ways of stating it's this, what's weighing you down because you refuse to let it go. You know, what are you dragging along uh, that you shouldn't be? Another way of saying it's what's slowing you down because you won't put it down, that you're carrying it. Is it making your life better? Right. Is there something in your life that's not making you better? And we all would say no to some area. And for some of you, you've kept or kept or tried, tried to keep it hidden. And probably the people closest to you, the people that love you the most, may not know what it is, but they know there's something. And if, you, if they ask, and you say, no, 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 I'm fine. That's our response, isn't it? So one other question. And then we'll move on. Next question is, what are you holding on to that's making a monkey out of you. And this goes back to, uh, I don't know, how long ago. But years ago, they would use a method to trap or catch monkeys. And I tried to find a good video. I couldn't find a good video, so we just have to imagine it. They'd take a coconut, hollow it out, put a small hole, hole in the coconut. This didn't work for all, all, all uh, monkeys, just, just some. And they'd put their favorite thing in there, which was a green banana. This is not a green one, but it's a banana. All right? So the monkey would stick his hand in the coconut, grab a hold of the banana, and then guess what? 
can't get out. Now, the, the coconut was tied down, tied to a tree. And you know what? Those monkeys would not let go of that banana, even when people came and captured it. That monkey, that temporary food, was more important to that monkey than his freedom. Sounds crazy, doesn't it? But it's the same thing that you and I do if we're holding on to things. And I can get my hand out. <laughs> uh, um, and here's, here's my advice to you, and be my advice to the monkey. What? It'd be what? Let go of the banana and run away. Save your life. You lose the banana, but you save your life. Now, if you're not a Jesus follower, delighted that you're here, that you're checking this out, checking this Jesus thing out, you're probably skeptical. That's fine. We all were at that point sometime in our life. I try and make these teachings helpful to everyone, but if you're not a Jesus follower, this is about all I've got for you this morning, okay? Uh, that's about all i got. Um, I realize I have no right or authority over you, or God doesn't, or the Bible doesn't, uh, but this is good advice for everybody, including monkeys, right? Um, but let me just say a couple other things before we move on. Uh, whether you're a Jesus follower or not, whatever you're holding on to, it's not just hurting you. It's hurting the other, the people that care the most about you. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in a few minutes. Another way of saying it's this. <clears throat> By holding on, you're holding off <clears throat> the people who love you the most. Your banana, for whatever reason that you refuse to let go of, is holding off or pushing off people who love you the most. And when they say something, our natural reactions get defensive. In fact, this is one way you can tell what your banana is. <laughs> when somebody says something, I use this illustration, my wife doesn't do this, but say I, I watched football all day on Saturday, like 10 hours of football. And my wife could come to me and say, hey, do uh, you think that was a good use of your time? And my reaction would say, hey, I have the right to watch 10 hours of football if I want to. Right? But in reality, that's probably not the best way. Yeah, I can watch some football, but not just 10 hours of my life in one day. So that's a good way to tell what your banana is if you get defensive about it. <clears throat> now, for most of us that are Jesus followers, uh, I have more to say <laughs> and more to, more to push at you. And we're going to start with this statement, and it's going to be maybe a little offensive. Christian or Jesus follower, you already have a master. You already have a banana. Remember the title of the message? The banana king. It's not the king of the banana, but the banana is the king of the monkey, right? And if you're a Jesus follower, you already have a master. You already have a king. Now, we use that word master. It kind of makes us uncomfortable because we think slavery, right? And uh, that is a little uncomfortable. And we're going to look at a, uh, something Paul wrote, and he's going to refer to slavery, which was real, in their, much more real in their culture than it would be in ours. But what happens to our bananas, they probably started off in its, in it, in its, in its I can't say the word, in it, but anyway, innocent. You were innocent when you started it. Um, and then eventually it became a habit or a pastime. So what happens with this pastime, it becomes a pathway. We've been talking about your path. 
your, dest uh, your direction determines your destination. So this pastime becomes your path. It becomes a hold on your life. It becomes a direction on your life and mine. So, we're going to look at something that Paul wrote. We talk about Paul a lot. <clears throat> he was on a really bad path <laughs> early on in his life and becoming a Jesus follower and, and started on a, uh, a tremendous path uh, affecting uh, the worldwide church. <clears throat> um, He's going to be writing to Rome, and, and Rome in his day was the center of the universe. It was the power, most powerful place in the world. And it's interesting because within a decade or two, Christianity, this thing that we adhere to, became so powerful that Nero, most of you know this, Nero blamed the Christians for burning down Rome, even though they didn't do it, he did it. All right, so there was enough of them that had enough influence that they could be blamed for burning down Rome. So Paul's writing a letter to the church there. And that's a pretty famous letter. Most of you probably read it. And he's writing about some certain things. In fact, chapter 6 starts talking about baptism. And he kind of stops and says, wait, 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 wait a minute. Maybe I'm taking some things for granted. And maybe there's something that I'm assuming you understand, the readers, the listeners, that maybe I need to actually say. And so he says, don't you realize? All right, maybe I didn't bring this up. Maybe you didn't think about it before. But don't you realize that you become a slave of whatever you choose to obey? Now, this applies to everyone, right? <laughs> become a slave to whatever you choose to obey. Whatever you choose to hold on to or refuse to let go of. Um, he's saying probably obvious, but in case it's not obvious, I, he said that this way, now to us, it's a little strange. We don't think that way, do we? We don't think <laughs> that whatever we obey is making us a slave. But in reality, it's true, and he's going to make his case. You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death. We'll talk about that a little more in a minute. Or there's another option, another choice. You can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous or right living. Or the life that you want to choose to have, or a good life, or whatever term you want to use. Now, as Jesus followers, we understand that God has given us, by grace, this choice, this option to live a righteous life. We don't have to be a slave to sin. If you're not a Jesus follower, I don't want to insult you, but in reality, you're a slave to sin. Jesus follows, we have a choice, an option. We can choose, because, but the only way we have that choice is because of God's grace. Now, we use Bible translations most of the time, but occasionally, and that means some really smart people got together, and in this case, took the Greek text and translated it into our language so we can understand it, and hopefully as accurate as possible. But a message paraphrase, which I'm going to read here, uh, is one guy's way of rewording it. But he takes the, uh, we talked about being slavery, uh, kind of the negative side. He takes the same thought and turns it on to the positive side. And he says it this way. You, you know well enough from your own experience, or you should, <laughs> that there are some acts, are so, acts of so-called freedom that destroy freedom. So anybody who's caught in addiction 
the first time they took that drink or that drug or whatever other addiction it was, it was free. They were free to make that choice, right? But if you ask them now, are they free? Are they free? No, <laughs> they're not. So some so-called freedoms destroy freedom. Offer yourself to sin, for instance, and it's the last free act you have. Now you're in slavery. You got the banana and won't let go. You're trapped. Well, offer yourselves to the ways of God and the freedom. I love this expression. Never quits. You're free. And your freedom goes on. You're not, your hand's not caught. You're not caught. So what does he mean by sin? Now, this is radical. In the Old Testament, we all know this, Ten Commandments, you know, if I do this or don't do this, you know, I don't honor my parents, the Sabbath, I, I steal, commit adultery, all these things, that's a sin. I do this or don't do this, it's sin. Jesus comes along and he changes, radically changes the concept of sin. He makes it much more simple. The Jews came up with over 600 laws to try and determine what was sin and what wasn't. And some of the laws weren't even accurate. They, things that they said were sin, we wouldn't consider sins. So, Jesus said, okay, I'll make it simple for you. Here's what sin is. Sin is anything that hurts you and the you beside you. Sin is anything that hurts you and the you beside you. The you you're married to, the you, the you that you're raising, the you that you work alongside of, uh, the you you come to church to, together with. Anything that hurts you or the you beside you is sin. Now, why is that? Well, most of you know a verse, pretty famous verse, John 3.16. What does it say in John 3.16? For God so loved the world. Did he love the, the trees and the rocks and all that stuff? What's the word world, world mean? It means the people in the world. Uh, that, that, that's what it means. God so loved the people in the world that he gave his only son, one and only son, so that we might have life, relationship with him, forgiveness of sin, and life everlasting. That's why it's sin. If you hurt, especially if you hurt the people I love, <laughs> that hurts me. You can do something to me, I can shrug it off. But if you hurt my wife, for example, that's hard. That's hard for me to overcome. And so, God loves all mankind. They're not all children of God, but he loves all mankind. So when I hurt any of his mankind, I'm hurting him. That makes it sin. A couple of easy, we call these uh, <coughs> sticky statements <laughs> to help you remember this, um, if it's not good for him, that's a sin. It means her too, but her doesn't rhyme, okay? If it's not good for him, that's a sin. If it's not good for them, if it's hurting them, it's sin. And then the flip side would be this. If it's not good for you, it's something you shouldn't do. So sin is anything that hurts the you beside you. And he said it results in death. <clears throat> and some of you have experienced, probably all of us experienced this. <clears throat> if you've been divorced, you have lived through the death of a relationship, haven't you? And I'll guarantee you sin was involved. Every time. Oh, if you've had a, f a long friendship that, that's ended, 
I can guarantee you that sin was involved. In relationship to uh, a, a, um, a loved one, somebody in your family. And that relationship's broken. I can guarantee you sin was involved. It could be these other areas we talked about professionally or, or health-wise or financially, etc. So as simple as I can say it is this. Sin kills. Sin kills things. Kills relationships. One other thing I want to focus in on when it kills is it kills peace. It kills your peace with God. It kills your peace with other, other people. It even kills your peace with yourself. And sometimes we think, well, what God calls sin, we call fun. And so God just doesn't want us to have fun. So I want you to make you understand something. God isn't against sin because he's against you. God's not against sin because he's against you. God is against sin because he's for you. He wants the best for you. He doesn't want you to have those, the, the hurt from those things that have died, those relationships that have died, those other things that have died. So he's against sin because sin hurts you and the you beside you. So he's for you. So if sin kills, then on the other hand, obedience makes things right, makes things better, makes things good. You know, I say this often. It's always right to do what's right. Now, why don't we always do what's right? Because it's hard sometimes, isn't it? And when by hard, we mean it comes with a cost. Have you ever had to say something, something to somebody, to tell them the truth, and then they broke, up, broke that relationship with you? In reality, it needed to be said, but they didn't like it. It's hard. It costs that relationship. These other areas, professionally, it might cost you a cost of your promotion. But you had to do what was right. Say what was, what was true. Uh, financially, these other areas. It may have cost you any relationship with, with uh, other people. Church people. Other people. People in the neighborhood may have cost you. But obedience brings about good things in life. Let's put it that way. What's right? What's good? So after Paul wrote that or said that, next he says this. Thank God. <laughs> we all don't want to be slaves to sin, so thank God there's another option. So us that are Jesus followers, we were once slaves to sin, but we're not any longer. And if we'll wholeheartedly obey, it's a big word, not occasionally or just when we feel like it, but wholeheartedly, all in, obey his teaching or this teaching we have given you. Again, we can be free. We don't need to be. <laughs> the banana doesn't need to be king. But notice, it doesn't come by believing. Well, I, I believe if I let go of the banana, I'll be fine. If as long as I'm believing and still holding on to it, am I fine? No, it comes through what? Obedience, actually doing it. 
And as Jesus followers, what happens is we have a new teaching, or new, another translation uses the word pattern of teaching, our pattern of life. For example, we have a new perspective on stuff. Um, probably the thing that my wife and I would have the most difficulty giving up is our house. I built it. It's a nice house. We enjoy living in it. And we talk about it sometimes. Yeah, it'd be kind of hard to sell it. But the bottom line is just stuff. We're not going to take it with us. Uh, we have a new pattern, new way of thinking about forgiveness. Uh, maybe you struggle with holding grudges against somebody. Not being able to forgive. But <laughs> Jesus said, you have to forgive people just like I forgave you. And how did God forgive us? He forgave us instantaneously, completely. So I hold no grudges. Like I said, if you hurt my wife, that's a little harder. <laughs> but uh, I hold no grudges. I, I can't. I, I have a new pattern. Uh, the way we treat others. Um, do we see everyone as somebody God loves? I don't know if you keep track of these things, but a week ago was the... Uh, uh, anyway, there we go. Anyway, um, we did that, I think it was three years ago. And to this day, it's one of the highlights of my 40 years in ministry. Why? <laughs> because these were people that in our culture and society, they don't get much, well, they don't contribute much to society from what society's viewpoint. Okay, there we go. Uh, where was it? Night to Shine. It, it is so awesome. Because we can love on people that society sometimes doesn't think highly of. But God loves. So that's just awesome we can do that. So we've received the gift of love so we can give the gift of love. Paul said it this way, I'm compelled. Love compels me to love other people. So when we obey, we're free. We're free to love. We're free to forgive we're free to pre treat people with dignity. So before we finish, I want to jump over to something else Paul wrote. This is actually in the letter to Corinthians. The interesting thing is, the same thing happens. He's halfway through the letter, and then he says, oh, wait a minute, maybe I need to back up. and Maybe I need to, to, to cover something that maybe I'm in, assuming you know that you don't know. And uh, it's in First uh, Corinthians uh, 619. Now, before this, right before this, Paul's talking about sexual sin being in a different category than other sins. We don't have time to talk about that today. But in verse 18, what do you think he says? What did we tell to the monkey? Let go and run away. And that's exactly what he says in verse 18. And then he says this, directly applying it to sexual sin, but obviously applicable to all of life. Don't you realize, we don't usually think about it this way, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. Now, their way of thinking would have been different than ours. We don't really have temples. We got a Mormon temple, but 
We don't have temples all around, and we don't think of temples the same way that they did. The if he was talking to Jews, the Jewish temple was back in Jerusalem. We got to go there where the site where it was, which was awesome uh, this past year. But they thought that they would have been pagan. Uh, in Corinth, there would have been pagan temples. Now, what their culture would think of, their society, the people that first century, was a temple was the closest you could get to God. This was heaven come down to earth. The temple, that site, that building that was more sacred than the rest of the world. That's the closest you could get to God. That was their thinking. Even for Jewish people, going to the temple. That was their thinking. And again, the New Testament's radical. It, it changes. Okay, no, no, it's not a building. It's not a site that is holy. Who is holy? What is holy now? People, right? And it's not because of how, you know, holy water put on it or whatever that might be. And it's not because of behavior or lack of bad behavior or good behavior. There's one reason you and I are holy. Only one. And if you're all Jesus followers are just as holy as any other Jesus follower, the presence of the Holy Spirit. God himself comes and dwells in us. That makes you and I sacred. That's why we should love everyone, especially as a Jesus follower, because uh, they are made sacred by God. Now again, this is, was radical for them. This is, this is maybe for us. It's not about behavior. It's about God's presence. And then he goes on. He says, you don't belong to yourself. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I belong. Our culture would say, I'm, you know, I'm my own person. Well, not a Jesus follower. You're not. Back up. <laughs> you don't belong to yourself for you're bought with a high price. And again, slavery. They would have seen slavery. Some of these folks might have owned slavery. Some of them had been slaves. Maybe some of them still were slaves. This was real. This was graphic. And he says, you understand. Uh, you buy slaves. If you were a slave, you were bought. And there was a price. Now, as Jesus followers, you and I were bought with a price. A really high price. Now, to be bought seems offensive, doesn't it? But if you realize the price that was paid, it's actually a huge compliment. Because what was the price that was paid for you and I? The only God of the universe, one true God, had one son, and he sent that son to earth to die for me. To die for you, and to die for you, and to die for you, and to die for you. There's no greater price than what greater price could I give to somebody than to sacrifice one of my children? There is no greater price. So, I, I don't belong to myself, but wow, God's given me the value, the most highest value of anything in the universe. So back to our uh, question with a little twist. What has the thing, your banana, that you're clinging to offered for you, paid for you? Most likely nothing. It's only costing you. That's the truth, isn't it? It's costing you. It's costing you your peace. It may be costing you a relationship. It may be costing you health. 
It may be costing you peace of mind. And then he gets to the punchline. So you bought with this high price. The verse goes on. <clears throat> so you must honor God with your body, with your life. So here's where the behavior comes in. We honor God with what we do and what we don't do and what we say and even what we think. So what does that look like with our definition of sin? You honor God by honoring those God honors or God loves. That means everyone. And we all know some unlovable people. Of course, we're all unlovable in some respects. That's the next slide, guys. <clears throat> Is there anyone that you're trading with less than full value? That you're degrading? Even in your mind, much less your actions. What are you holding on to? It's hard for me to <laughs> confess sometimes. But one of the bananas in my life for a long time was anger. I was an angry person. My wife would call it yelling. I would call it raising my voice. But anyway, some of you may have been there. And what really bothered me when she, when she told me one day, you know why you get angry? It's when you're inconvenienced. Wow. Just because I'm inconvenienced, I get angry? We talked about that last week. God has taken that away from me. I certainly couldn't conquer. God has taken that away from me. It's no longer my banana. What's your banana? Maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a person. Maybe you have a relationship with a person, especially if you're a young person, and you're dating somebody or have some friends at school that your parents say, no, 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 they're not good for you. And, you, and what do you do? Yeah, hey, hey, I get to choose my friends, right? Well, not if you're a Jesus follower. Maybe it's your health. One quick thing here. Um, there are seasons in life, good things that aren't good because of the timing. I had to thinking about running. When I really started really putting too much time and energy into running, I, I just turned 50. What, ha what had happened and transpired in my life when I turned 50? My kids had grown up. I had more free time. It would have been a bigger problem probably when I was 40. I would have been neglecting my kids to be running. But it was okay, I think. Not as much as I did, but it was a much better timing. Some of you are retired now. You have more time for writing and other things that you didn't have before. So writing might not have been the right time earlier in your life. So back to what we said earlier. Christians, Jesus followers, you already have a master. You don't need a banana to be your king. And Jesus would invite you to let it go. He demonstrated his love for you in dying, suffering, and dying on a cross for you. Please, he's saying, let it go. So here's your think about. As we end this series, in this message, am I holding on to something that's holding me back? And again, we, it's hard to see this in the mirror. So I encourage you to be brave enough to ask and accept somebody close to you to answer that question for you. And then we encourage you to let it go and run away. Let go of your banana. We way you say it, take, let go of the banana and take hold of Jesus. Anyway, before we pray, I want to tell you where we're going next week because we're really excited about that. There's seven more Sundays till Easter.
And Easter, it's usually warm by then, right? Everybody excited about that? We're going to do a uh, series on the Gospel of John. We're going to cover the Gospel of John, believe it or not, the highlights anyway, in, in seven weeks, and we got the promo video uh, to show you. Coding faith, oh, there we go, the coding faith, what is faith? And um, as we said, we're going to do Gospel John, hopefully you can join us, you won't want to miss any of those, hopefully. Fine, we pray with you, I'll have the praise team come and lead us in a final song and let you go. <clears throat> Father God, we're so thankful for your word, which gives us instruction to maybe change the things in our lives, but also this the encouragement, the understanding, the value that you've given to us to let your only son die. And if someone here is thinking about that, contemplating that, hopefully they understand how greatly they are loved. And those of us who are Jesus followers, how greatly we are continually loved and how that should affect our behavior, that we should uh, love those that you love, God. Help us do that. And for those that aren't Jesus followers, we pray that you would, if not cross that line to follow Jesus, that you would step closer to following Jesus. Yes, uh, I want to know more about this. It's a process. There always, for, all, for, for those of us that are Jesus followers, there comes a time when we step across that line. We let go of the, the banana of our life, and Jesus becomes our king. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.